by God to...
was one of those that was serving in the Marine Corps at the time. And I remember when it happened, uh, one of the Marines said, hey, what do you think is going to happen now? And, you know, because I was 22 years old and knew everything, I said, nothing, it'll be fine. And uh, about a year later, when we were standing in Kuwait getting ready to go to Iraq, he told me I was wrong. So I appreciated that. But uh, I remembered, and I was thinking about this last weekend, I remember the first, uh, first days of the war in Iraq in 2003. And uh, I was with uh, a unit that pushed across the berm into the country. And so many things there and so many emotions, as you can imagine. And some of you may have experienced that. But uh, I remember there were, there were times, and, and this may sound strange to those who haven't been maybe in that environment, but the, the war, the, the, the danger of the war and all that went along with that, that wasn't really what bothered me. There were times of fear, of course. But as those days went on and those, those days turned into weeks and the time we were there was longer and longer and we were there, there was nowhere really to stop. We were kind of the, the front edge as we were moving forward. We slept in our vehicles and moved forward. As those times went on, things began to bother me that bother all of us. It, it wasn't the, the combat stuff so much. It was the, the fatigue from being up for long hours and long days. And when you're tired, you begin to think things that you wouldn't think of in rational times, right? It was the loneliness, because even though we were surrounded by like 30,000 other Marines, you're very lonely. You feel like you're the only one feeling the way that you're feeling at that moment. Because mail hadn't really started yet. We weren't even receiving good communication from people that cared about us. You begin to think things like, well, maybe I'm not getting letters because no one cares about me. These are not rational thoughts, but they're very real to you at the time. You can understand that. I remember as we pushed through, there was a place that we could go, and humans are extremely resilient. We always find community wherever we are, and there was a place that we could go at times along the way uh, where I could pick up and I could go back to our command vehicle, and this was where the command element of our battalion was. This is where our leaders were. There were a lot of good things there. One of the good things was the coffee pot. That was also there <laughs> because everyone knows there's no community without coffee. But it was great because there were times in, in the midst of the confusion of everything that was going on around us and the fatigue and, and the loneliness and all of the things that I was feeling in my heart, I could go back to a place where there were other people who were experiencing the exact same thing. With a cup of coffee in my hand for a few minutes, I could receive instruction on how to do the things that we were supposed to do, maybe some clarity on why we were doing what we were supposed to do. It was an opportunity to be refreshed and renewed and to go back into the fight that we were all engaged in. One of the interesting things about war is that it's a word picture all of us can understand. Maybe you haven't been in combat, but certainly all of us exist on this planet and on this plane we're in a, a warfare. We're all doing the best that we can, and I think all of us start off with noble intentions in our lives. We want to change the world, or at least our little corner of the world. We want to raise our kids in a way that they can go out and change the world if we haven't. We want to do good things. But in the midst of the combat of this world, we begin to experience things that may not seem rational to others, but because we're tired, that fatigue sets in, and it's a deep fatigue. Along with that comes a loneliness. Those thoughts that maybe I'm the only one who's ever gone through something like this. Maybe I'm the only one dealing with this. We aren't receiving good communication. We're communicating, but not from people who really care about us. And so we don't think maybe that anyone actually does care about us. Many of the same things that I experienced in a country far away, I experience on a day-to-day -day basis right here at home. And I believe that all of us, because we're all engaged in a war, 
All of us need a place that we can go back to from time to time to get around others who are experiencing the same thing, to hold a cup of coffee, <laughs> receive some instruction, and be renewed and re-energized for the battle in which we're engaged. Now, where is that place? We all need it, and I'm sure you're not surprised this morning <laughs> to hear me say that place is connection groups. That's what we're talking about today, of course. And even though we're talking about connection groups today, what I'm really talking about in a, a bigger way is connection to the Christian community. Connection groups for us here at Coastline are the way that we have organized and attempted to establish a process for allowing folks who are in our church to connect with others. But the important thing to understand in all of this is that if you're going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish in your life, if you're going to be all that God created you to be in your life, you will not do that apart from authentic connections with other believers. Those connections are absolutely essential. I talk about this and because I know how many people in our church attend connection groups. I know that it's not most of the folks in this room. So when we talk about something like this, I, I know that often it comes across as though I'm trying to sell you something that you don't want. Yesterday, I live in a new neighborhood, so every Saturday about 14 people come to my door and try to sell me things that they know I don't need. Have you considered remodeling your kitchen? No, I just paid for it. I don't need to remodel it. Every person you can possibly imagine that has a business comes to my door. And yesterday, someone came to my door and tried to sell me something. And when I opened the door, I knew it was a mistake. I knew they were going to stand there and talk to me about what I needed to do. And they were going to try to get all of my information and explain to me why the new house that I just bought isn't good enough. I knew this was going to happen. And I stood there and I listened. I didn't want what they were selling. But I had the same look on my face that many of you have right now. <laughs> Thanks for coming. This is America, so I can't be rude to you. If you'll stop talking, I'll close the door. <laughs> That's not what this is. As Pastor just mentioned, community groups in our church are not something that we want from you, but rather want for you. And again, that sounds uh, really nice, but what does that mean? It means that as ministers, folks who minister, folks who have the calling of God to minister the word of God to others, the importance of these connections is so overwhelming that we'll do what we need to as a church to make those connections as accessible as possible to you. And I know there are objections. I'm an extremely cynical person, and so I know about objections. <laughs> there are those who say, I tried it, and it just doesn't work. Others would say, it's a nice idea, but it's impractical. And then the honest ones in the room will say, I just don't want to. <laughs> I've got four kids. If I tell them to do something and they don't want to do it, three of them will come up with really good reasons why they shouldn't. And one of them will just look at me in the face and say, I don't want to. <laughs> Why didn't you do that? Because I don't want to. I understand there are objections. We can't deal with all of the objections this morning. So I just want to take a few minutes and paint a picture for you of what connection to believers is supposed to look like. What connection through the local church is supposed to look like. Pastor asked you to turn to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to look at some verses here. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. If you have not spent time studying it, you need to. 
But in Acts chapter 3, something really interesting happens. Peter and John were walking, and we could go there and look at this, verse number 1 of chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. They were going to pray at the temple. If you continue to read, you see that there was a man who needed healing, and he was there. He couldn't walk, and because he couldn't walk, he had to beg, and he's asking for money. And Peter said to him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Well, this is extremely Christian of him. This is what we all do. I, I realize you need food. I don't have any of that, but I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. What most of us mean by that is, I don't have any money and I'm trying to get back in my car, but I'll pray for you. But see, Peter didn't mean that. What he actually meant was, <laughs> it's, the, it's the Holy Spirit, don't be afraid. <laughs> what he actually meant was, I've got something more important than silver and gold. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He healed this man. It wasn't an empty, hollow, I'll pray for you. It was because of what Jesus Christ did, because of the power of the Holy Spirit of God, rise up and walk. Now check this out. If you go through this chapter, it's amazing. People got mad that they healed this man. And they gathered around him. And they said, how in the world could you heal this man? And Peter said one thing, Jesus. He said, there's not another name. There's not another name with the power of Jesus. There's not another name that heals like Jesus. There's not another name with which we can be saved like the name of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He preached Jesus. He preached truth after healing a man. We come to chapter 4, and the religious people in the room didn't like what he was saying. Now, how many of you understand that the religious people are not always right? Religion sometimes runs contrary to the Word of God and the work of God. Those who look like they have it all figured out often are the ones who are just trying to figure it out. And because of the insecurity that they feel in themselves, they put down those who are actually doing the work. That's what's happening here. The religious elite, they call Peter and John, and they begin to scold them, asking them why they would preach about Jesus. <laughs> and Peter said, well, because he's the only answer. Because he's what these folks need. If you look at the beginning of chapter 4, 5,000 people accept Christ. And the religious people are upset about it. Peter and John stand there and they listen. They receive a scolding. The religious leaders say, we're going to let you go. But stop talking about Jesus. That wasn't an option. I want you to understand, in the context of this passage, here's what's happening. Peter and John are doing the best they can do for the glory of God. They're living their lives to fulfill their God-given purpose. They're seeing God do amazing things. It's an exciting time, and yet the persecution comes. Why? Because we're all in a war. If you're going to try to do the right thing, if you're going to try to make a difference, if you're going to try to raise your kids for the glory of God or have a marriage that is pleasing one to another and to God, if you're going to try to be a testimony in your office, if you're going to try to make a difference that matters for time and eternity, there will be those who won't like it. And persecution will come. And the question before us this morning is, where do you go when the persecution comes? Where do you go when the things around you are difficult? Where do you go when even though you're trying to do the very best that you can, your world seems to be falling apart? Where do you go? 
to verse 23 of Acts chapter 4. I'll tell you where these guys went. And being let go, put yourself there for a second. They've just been told not to talk about Jesus. They've just been told not to fulfill their purpose. They've been scolded. They've been abused. Where would you go? I go to one of two places often when I'm not having a good day. McDonald's or my couch. <laughs> you have your own McDonald's and your own couch. I don't know what it is in your life, but it's something. You know where these guys went? But they, being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. These guys came out of a horrible situation. They were threatened with the loss of life, and the first place they went was to their connection group. They went back to a community of believers that cared for them. They went back to a place where they knew they could find the hope that they needed. And I believe in this, we see three things that can be found in Christian community. Three things from this passage I want to point out, and I'll point it out quickly. The first thing that will always be found in Christian community is refuge. Refuge. It's amazing. This is the place that they went. They needed a place where they could get out of the storm for a little while, where they could separate from the battle, if you would, and get around folks who understood what they were dealing with, who understood what they were going through. They needed to have that refuge. You see, refuge is not a place to hide. It is a safe place to retreat that has the ability to renew us for the battles ahead. It's not a convent or a hiding place from the rest of the world. It's an outpost on the battlefield. It's a place where we can pull in for a little while and know that we're safe. Our battles may be those family relationships or work relationships. It might be our culture and our society, but we need a refuge. Psalm 46 and verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And we're so thankful for that truth. We look at verse 11 of the same passage. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And again, we're so thankful for that. But often we come to church and we talk about God being our refuge and God being our strength and God being our hope. And it's so ethereal, we don't know how to put hands on it. We jump to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. The Apostle Paul says something very simple. Now you, ye, are the body of Christ. And members in particular... I believe that God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. I believe he provides that peace that passes understanding. I believe that God is bigger than any situation, any struggle, any difficulty that we're in. I believe he ministers to us in a very personal way, but in a different way. I believe he allows us to put hands on himself when we gather around other believers. Why? Because we collectively as believers are the body of Christ. He is our refuge, and he has collectively brought us together to do his work. Ephesians 1 and verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. When we connect with other Christians, if we're doing it right, if we're doing it the way that it was done here in Acts chapter 4, we will experience in a very real way the refuge that is our God. 
the safety, the opportunity to pull back for a little while and, and refocus on the things that are important. Within Christian community, we find refuge. But number two, within Christian community, we receive or find resolve. Resolve. Of all of the things that happen in this chapter, and there are a lot of crazy things that happen in this chapter, <laughs> starts off with 5,000 people coming to Christ. We see the, the conversation they had with the religious leaders at the end of this. Uh, again, an uh, interesting community picture. But of all of the things that happen in this chapter, this is probably the one that is the strangest to me. When I go to my friends and I tell them someone's being unkind to me, what I want them to say is, it's going to be okay. Here, come here, let me give you a hug. I don't want a hug, but come here, get, let me give you a cup of coffee, maybe. <laughs> I don't really like to be touched, so I don't like to hug so much. But I want people to go, hey, it's all right. You did everything right. Maybe you just need to take a break or go on vacation. Look what happens here. Verse 29. These guys come back to their connection group. <laughs> To the local church. They tell them what happened, and then people begin to pray in verse 24. We pick up this prayer in verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. So we remind God of what's going on, right? Hey, God, those people out there, they're threatening us. Now, I don't know what your next sentence would be. Maybe it'd be, God, deliver me. Maybe it'd be, God, take them out. <laughs> you ever pray a prayer like that? Just me? All right. <laughs> God, if I wake up tomorrow and they're not here. <laughs> but what did they pray? And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Look at what's happening here. They pull into a place of refuge, and that place of refuge becomes a place of resolve when they're able to get away from the battle for just a minute, get around other like-minded people who understand the path that they're on, who re-engage them to do the work that God has called them to do. It's a place of resolve. Why? Because you start out right, and you get tired. You start out right, and you can't find other people who agree with you. Sometimes the people you have been called to change begin to change you and you lose your fervor and you don't know why and yet they pulled into this place of refuge and those around them said, God, give them the strength to do what you've called them to do. We must find a place where we can go and be re-engaged, where we can receive the resolve once again to do what God has called us to do. God, God has called us to do nothing short of change the world. And change the world can be different from person to person. Maybe your world is your home. Maybe your world is your children. Maybe your world is your workplace. Maybe your world is your neighborhood. Maybe your world is something else. I don't know what it is for you, but God has called you to reach those and minister to those in which he brings into your life. And yet we lose the fervor. We lose the focus that we can find resolve. Doing the right things for the right reasons for a lifetime will not happen if we are not authentically connected to Christian community. When the first century believers got together, as Pastor mentioned, something amazing was always about to happen. 
In Acts 2, they were gathered, and then more than 3,000 accepted Christ. In Acts chapter 4, they were gathered, they ministered, more than 5,000 accepted Christ. We jump over to Acts chapter 6, amazing things happen. Into Acts chapter 7, persecution in Acts chapter 8, an amazing revival throughout the rest of the book of Acts. Amazing things happen. But it all starts with Christian believers being connected. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 puts it simply, Bear ye one another's burdens... And so fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Ephesians 4 and verse 11, He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You see, we've all been equipped to minister to others. Why do you do the things that you do? What is your motivation? Did you start out right and yet somewhere along the way you've lost your focus? Maybe it's time to pull into a place of refuge surrounded by people who care for you and understand the path that you're on to re-engage, to receive the resolve that is needed to go forward in a meaningful way. Persecution for these believers was not going to stop And the fight around us, the battle that we're engaged in will not stop. And resolve comes when the person standing next to you says, I understand. Don't quit. Keep it up. It's all worth it. We see refuge, we see resolve. And number three, we see relationships. How important are these relationships? Verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Persecution to refuge, a prayer for resolve, connection to others through relationships. And God does an incredible work. We have many different relationships over the course of our lives, but only those where there is unity of heart and soul will propel us forward. Philippians 1.27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Verse 32, again, it says, The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. They believed they had a common foundation. They were of one heart and soul. They were unified in their purpose. And they were therefore able to encourage one another do something bigger than they would ever do on their own. As a mom and a dad, as a husband or a wife, as an employee or a business leader, as a Christian man or a Christian woman, there will be challenges. And we need folks to walk the path of life with us who can help us, encourage us, and strengthen us to do all that God has called us to do. One of my favorite Friendship quotes is by C.S. Lewis. He said, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what, you too? (laughs) I thought I was the only one. Relationships. Community groups, as Pastor mentioned, 
are not new and they're not novel. The name may be different, but they're intended, even today, to be nothing less than they were in the first century church. These folks connected, and in their connection, they found refuge, and they found a, a renewal of purpose, a resolve. They found relationships, and I don't think they were probably asked to fill out a card that tells others they were interested in attending one of these meetings. But they had nowhere else to go. And they connected, and God used them in an amazing way. And what we see again and again is that when Christians come together in community, incredible things happen. Are you a part of a group that allows you to pull away from the day-to-day battles of life? I'm not suggesting that here at Coastline we have it all figured out. We're always adjusting. We're always changing. As our church family has grown over the years, we've made so many different adjustments. If you look through the book of Acts, they consistently made adjustments in the church as well. We're in good company. When we come into the new year in a few months, we might even make more adjustments to our schedules and to things that are necessary to equip more to be able to attend these groups. But regardless of what it looks like, you need to understand that you must be connected to other believers. Not in a, I saw you on Sunday morning and I'll see you again next Sunday morning kind of way, but in a way that when the persecution, when the difficulties, when the trials arise, the first place you go is to that group of folks that care for you. And they care for you enough not to simply put their arms around you, although they'll do that, but they care for you enough to say, hey, God has a plan for your life and God has a plan for your family and God has a plan for your future and in His power, you can do it and we'll be there with you. Are you a part of a group? Very simple this morning. My invitation is this. If you're not part of a group already, you need to be. Your bulletin, your worship guide. Pull that out for me this morning. Inside of your worship guide is this card. It says connection groups on the front. And again, I'm not selling anything. I don't want it to come across that way. But I know our pastor's heart. Because 15 years ago when I started working for him, we had these same conversations. And his heart is that the people in this church would be connected to God and connected to others authentically so they could be all that God wants them to be. That's it. And that's what this is about. On that card, there are some names on the back. Thursday, Sunday, we have groups on Thursday nights and Sunday nights. You see the group name listed there. You see the leader, the life stage. These are all kind of suggestions. (laughs) It's good to be around others who are your age, going through the same things you're going through. Maybe you don't know which one that would be for you. Maybe this is your, your first time filling out a card. No problem. Just put your name on there, your email address. You don't have to fill out the group line. We'll get back to you. Maybe you have a question. There's an email address there, john at coastlinebaptist.org. He loves emails of all kinds. Send them to him. He likes jokes and videos. He likes all that stuff. But he really likes questions about community groups, connection groups. If you have questions, go ahead and email. We'll take care of that. But if you're not part of a group, you're not all that God has called you to be. I say that on the authority of his word and the example given to those first century believers. Fill out that card. In just a moment, you'll have an opportunity to turn it in. We pray together this morning, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to be in this place. We thank you for this church and for what it represents. We thank you, God, that it is our goal simply to lift you up. 
and to do exactly what you have called us to do. Father, I pray that we would never look down on an opportunity to be connected to other believers, 